Welcome to The Original Doll. I'm your host, James Rodriguez. On The Original Doll, I unpackage music with the people who create it. We go behind the scenes and learn all about these amazing artists and creatives who bring the music that we love. And at the same time, we help out charity. For more information, go to the website, theoriginaldoll.com. While you're there, join my Patreon community. Big shout out to my Patreon patrons. You all rock. And as with every episode of The Original Doll, any audio recording ripping stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see anything leaked, please report it to the webmaster. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, the.original.dial, and rate the show and tell your friends about it. My name is James Rodriguez. This is the Original Doll Iconography. Today, we welcome back recording artist, producer, and songwriter Shelly Pikin. Now, if you missed our first chat with Shelly Pikin, you could check it out at the end of this. For those who don't know, Shelly Pikin has co-written and been a part of so many iconic songs, including Meredith Brooks' song, Bitch, Christina Aguilera's What a Girl Wants, and Come On Over Baby, as well as Brandy's song, Almost Doesn't Count. Today, we're going to talk about her work with The Princess of Pop, Britney Spears, as well as her time with Chrissy Hind. I appreciate you taking your time to chat with us. This is what I do. So what I want to do is talk about, you had a few songs on Britney Spears projects. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the Circus album? Because the Circus album was huge in Britney Spears' life from what was happening in her life. So how did you get involved? Well, I knew and was friendly with her A&R guru, Teresa LaBarbera White. And, but actually in this situation, I think David Stamm, who was a publisher for my co-writer, sent me the music. Teresa was involved in another um, story about Britney, but this time it was David Stamm. And he said, will you listen to this and see if you can come up with some words? Because nobody's been able to do that yet. And I, um, I was sort of at the end of wanting to write to tracks. I really like to be in the room with other writers when I wrote songs with them just from scratch, but it was David and I really trusted him and I pressed play. And from the minute I pressed play and heard that music, to do it. It, And it wasn't even work. It was just such a beautiful piece of music. And I'm trying to think if the melody was there. I think the melody was there on that piece of music as well. This just, the words just flowed out from me. And I I believe I was driving. A lot of like really great stuff happens when you're in a car because you're not staring at a piece of paper. You're not staring at a computer. It was just flowing. And I, a lot was going on with her at the time. I think she was getting over Justin and I, I just kept thinking to myself, well, how, how would she feel Um, if I were in her shoes? How would I feel um, in such a public relationship and being in it so deep and trying to get out and the words just came. And I liked the, I liked the, um, 
the wordplay on the how can I get out out from under. And maybe I can live without when I'm out from under. Yeah, I had to think about it. It was a while ago. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so she heard it and she related to it and it it flew. It, those albums are so, so competitive. It's really hard to to get a song on a Britney record. And especially at that time, because there were so many people trying to figure out what the best sound is. Our previous guest, Casey Livingston, talked about with Unusual You, because both of them are on the Circus album. I love her. They're the ones that most listeners have reached out asking about for that era. Really? They're like, we want to hear about this. Because I think both fit a Britney story at the time. And I think that there's always something that should be said about a ballad or mid-tempos that are on a big pop stars album. Mm -hmm. Because you're not filling up pop albums with a bunch of these songs. So there's a reason why those songs are on there. She connected with it somehow. Mm -hmm. So how did this song... Wait, now, it was somehow involved in the Brat soundtrack. How did that happen? <laughs> what that part always confused me because oh. I was like, "How did this happen? Did the Bratz version come first or the circus one?" Because I think that Joanna sang the demo. Mm. I think Joanna was it. Joanna Pasiti. Yes. Yep. She sang the demo, and I think that might have come out after Britney released it you know it's always really tricky especially now with so with your ability to just like upload songs Mm -hmm. we songwriters used to share demos all the time but in the age of digital you have to be really careful because if you send something out and then it gets uploaded and it that happens all the time Mm -hmm. and then there's another artist or demo singer out there singing the song that you're supposed to record. Well, then it's debuted already. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you lose that cut because the artist says, well, somebody else, I don't, I'm not getting to do this first. Mm-hmm. So I think that the Brad soundtrack came out after, because if it came out before we might've gotten, we might've lost that, um, uh, that opportunity. Cause I always wondered it's a great song, but then I thought, why wouldn't it be the Britney version of it on that, the soundtrack? Because, you know, it wasn't a controversial song where with like Christina Aguilera, What a Girl Wants, where Radio Disney is like, oh, hold on, we need to edit this a bit or let's pull back a little bit. Whereas this, this, I didn't I feel think- that there were any controversial issues for Out From Under. It's just about overcoming, which I love. So I always wondered. Gosh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they wanted too much for the master uh, with Brittany on it. That makes sense. You know? And this is something that the listeners have learned about with the masters and right. sinking and the cost. That makes a lot of sense, actually. That's probably going to happen. If you are a Britney Spears collector, don't forget, go to theoriginaldoll.com, scroll to merchandise, and you're going to find official Britney brand merchandise. Theoriginaldoll.com. So let me ask you this then. I talked with Cassia about Pulse because Pulse leaked over a decade ago. Right. And fans love that song. Love that song. Yeah, they love it. And it's it's that song. I was listening to it and Cassie and I were talking about it. And I said, the hard part is when I talk to Lindy Robbins, there's so many great songs that somehow debut without people wanting it to. It kind of bums me out. 
And then alternatively, as a fan, I'm like, oh, what could have been with that song? What could have been? So Pulse, that was for the Femme Fatale era. Mm -hmm. And that was with Fraser, right? I think it was Fraser, right. Did you know that this was going to be working or that there was going to be the follow-up to Circus? Yeah, we were trying to write for Britney. And there was another one. There was a song called Vertigo. Mm -hmm. And... And I think I sent that out to somebody and I put Vertigo Britney demo. And so the Britney was seized on and that was all over the cyber Britney culture thing. And I think that that they might have, I don't remember if I sang it or... um, I think it was Nicole Morier. Nicole. And um, they all thought maybe that was Britney and I had to tell everybody it wasn't Britney and... Yeah, so once it's out there, you got to be really careful how you send your demos And that's the part that I think is, it's, the creative in me is like, I'm bummed out because a demo is only a small portion of the whole song because it can grow so much. The mixing adds a lot. I look at some of the songs that are out and I think, wow, that was a great song. And you want to hear something else that's funny. I see you have my album there in the back. 2.0. There's a song on my album called Love is War. Love is war What are we in it for? Why do we play the game? Why are we keeping score? You and I You know we were born to fight Like so many times before But now I should be sure Love is war Love is war. That's what I was going to ask next. So Love is War, what what album was that for? Was that Circus or Femme Fatale? It was supposed to be on... What was the one after Circus? Femme Fatale. Okay. And that was the one Teresa, my friend Teresa, Mm -hmm. fell in love with. And she was Britney's girl. And it was a go, it was a go, it was a go. And then Teresa, I was so excited about it. I thought I, I wrote it for Britney. I channeled it for Britney. It was just so Britney. And the demo I had made originally was on a Fraser track. And it was very technical. Love is war. What are we in it for? And Teresa took me out for breakfast one day and she said, it's not going to fly. And I said, why? And she said, and I don't know if this is true. She said, Brittany feels it's too vulnerable. It's going to make her appear more too vulnerable. And I thought, what's wrong with that? wanted to take a moment to jump off here for a quick second to let you all know in my research and talking with many of these singers and songwriters uh, many are still coming up in the next few months actually is one of the common things that i found during the femme fatale era and talking with the songwriters and producers is there was a thought and a notion that well first of all dr luke max martin they're the ones that are executive producing it so it makes sense if they're going to be, you know, captaining the ship, that they pick their songwriters, their groups, the songs that they've been working on, which is, which makes sense. So it only leaves a few spots open. The other thing that I've heard uh, continually is 
there was this discussion of not putting songs on femme fatale that made britney spears appear vulnerable now that's something that's interesting because i mean it goes with the femme fatale the whole theme of it you know the strong person so on and so forth i wondered at that time everything going on in britney spears's personal life if she didn't have those things going on would these songs have made that you know there's oftentimes discussion in the media how it's like oh poor britney spears or she's so weak or fragile and I disagree with that. I tend to think she's a lot stronger than people give her credit for. So I wanted to throw this in there that in my research and talking to songwriters, a common theme was for the Femme Fatale album is songs didn't make the cut for two reasons. Whether it was, you know, Dr. Luke and Max Martin, because they had a lot of huge songs on there and you can only have so many songs in the album. That makes sense. And the other is that not to make Britney Spears appear vulnerable on this. So I thought I'd add that in. She does vulnerable so well, but I guess she had too much vulnerable and she didn't want to do it anymore. I was devastated. I was so bummed out. And when I recorded it for my album, you know, I had written the whole song on a piano, just like it appears on my album. When Teresa liked it for Britney, I had reached out to Fraser to put a track to it. And at that point, we were going to consider it a co-write because I might not have done that in a different situation. I might have just hired Mm -hmm. somebody to do it. But Fraser is just such a wonderful guy. And I thought what he brought to it, I said, look, if she, no, I know what it was. I said, if she records it with your track, it will have been your track that, you know, mm-hmm. gets it over the line. And so we'll split it 50-50. But when she didn't record it, and I wanted to put it on my record, just on the piano as I had originally written it, he was such a gentleman. He allowed me to remove his name from the writership. Oh my goodness. Um, Cause he wasn't involved when I had first written it on the piano. And now it was back in that form. So, I mean, one of the reasons I made my record is because I wanted to put my voice behind my songs that other people made famous. And I also wanted to record a couple of songs like songs that never um, found their way onto mm-hmm. an album. And I just think that one should and still might, but I put it out there. I remember there was an interview where you said something about like, I'm not a pretty singer and I'm getting there. Just be genuine. Love is war was so genuinely open and raw in everything sonically from your voice, which your voice is phenomenal. And Cassia Livingston said, this is why Shelly sings these because she's a singer and a songwriter. Uh, That's very sweet of her to say, but we all have our own, you know, I can't do what Casey does. You know, she's just got her own kind of vibe and her own crazy texture that nobody can, nobody could do her, you know. Is there a thought of you doing a, a 2.0 plus A 3.0? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was thinking of naming my album and this kind of speaks to what you just said. I was thinking of naming it Chameleon. 
I feel like I can get in a room with someone who does country and write a country song and I can do what we used to call urban pop, but we don't use those words anymore. It's R and B. I don't think I could do, I don't think I could do hip hop now. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> I mean, Brandy is now hip hop, but she used to be pop. You know, everything has gotten the the language has has gotten so much more um culturally more hip hop than mm-hmm. be. I, I don't know if I could do that anymore, but then I could do pop and I've written for Puddle of Mud and and I just feel like um there's not one lane for me. But my voice I feel like is, well, I could do like a little Sheryl Crow. I could do that Rocky thing. But when you said before that I have so many different voices, did you mean tonally or did you mean genre wise? Both because what I like is, I mean, the Meredith Brooks album was a huge album in my, in my life, Learning the Edges, and you're on half of that. And I go, okay, this makes sense. This is going to be a singer, songwriter, pop rock, and then you have almost doesn't count. And then even like fast forward to like rotten to the core. I love when I can hear your voice as like the backup, like the background vocals, like the brandy one, uh-huh. where there's like the the hey, hey, like yes. I was like, this is I sang on what a girl wants too. I was like, what a girl wants, yeah, what a girl needs, yeah, what a <laughs> <laughs> and I will I want to say I want to applaud you in in the book, especially when you talk about come on over baby. Now the thing with the Christina Aguilera song Come On Over and the radio version Come On Over Baby is they actually changed quite a bit of the song. So when Shelly was brought in, they really changed the image of Christina. Because What a Girl Wants also, they had released uh, a remix of it. Now with this this felt like a true remix because there were different lyrics. So the album version said, hey boy, don't you know I've got something going on? Yes, I do. All my friends are going to party, going to party all night long. Oh yeah. Now in the radio remix, it's, hey boy, don't you know I've got something going on? I've got an invitation. Don't you keep me waiting all night long? And then it's goes through and it's really a more mature Christina Aguilera instead of it being about friends it's more of a one-on-one come on over have some fun but and it also had a rappy bridge kind of thing going on now what's interesting is this is not the first time that you know pop and it's not gonna be the last time that a pop star kind of remixes and changes up the lyrics because don't forget you have people like Britney Spears who overprotected the overprotected remix boys the boys remix that this happens a lot. The other thing too is early in the 90s when albums were able to be promoted for years. Give an example of Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson could have eight singles from one album and it could be during a three-year time period. The Janet album, which came out in 1993, was a success right away. You know, that's the way love goes. Then they continued on. Then by the time it got to the single You Want This, what did the label, Jimmy Jam, Terry Loose, and Janet decide to do? do a remix. They added MC Light in it. This happens a lot to kind of revive the song to give people something new and different. So I wanted to bring this in because this is one of the first times we can talk to a songwriter and mention when somebody is brought into, you know, remix to to change the song. So if you're looking for the two different versions, you can find them. One is Come On Over, All I Want Is You, and the other one is Come On Over, Baby. And when you listen to them, you'll realize, looking back, they're completely different lyrical content. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I do. 
come on over baby the redo that you mentioned like you were brought in that you just kind of added added some flavor yeah. to it because i feel like in doing my research and in chatting with different singer songwriters songwriters everyone is sometimes it's not always the case somebody's like nope this is mine i'm taking ownership nope this yeah. what i like is that you're a collaborator and that you allow everyone to receive it as as they will and i think that somebody whose career has gone this long, like the natalie cole story that you said about the, the getting your hair done and i don't want to give too much away because i want the <laughs> listeners to, to buy your book i was just like this is amazing and then also on your album human and who is that background vocalist in human oh yeah chrissy hine <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> chrissy me we blend it together because i love her voice She was very cool. She, I emailed her one day and I said, call me crazy. I'm just going to ask, you know, would you sing some background vocals? And she said, yeah, send me the track. No, no. This is because of you and what you've done. And just to hear somebody say, here's my ultimately debut album. And who's this background vocalist? And I'm like, wait. And I was like, that song, was that the Divinal song that I remember before? And you have many songs in your entire career in which other artists have covered it. Cause I know Ashley Tisdale did a couple different, I think like share rain, rain was dream first. Like I, like if I'm, if I'm remembering you anything. Remember like more that. than I can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark Wills in Nashville recorded almost doesn't count. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Kelly Clarkson sang what a girl wants on her show. I was like, thank you very much. And her karaoke section in, in the beginning, man, she was amazing. And Judith Hill, she was on The Voice, she sang. Oh my God. It just like killed. What do you think it is that you do and you've done consistently? Because like I said, I can go to Rotten to the Core. Like we, the charity that I work with, we put on a show and the kids were like, The Descendants. And I'm like, what is The Descendants? And then I watched it and I loved it and Rotten to the Core. And right. you've hit so many different generations of people and so many different music lovers. Uh, How do you do it? How do you do it? I, I don't know, you know, Rotten to the Core also was a was a track that I was sent from Stephen Vincent at Disney. And he loved the track for that film and that spot. And when music speaks to me, when music speaks to me and I don't have to work to find lyrics, it's a joy. And I think, you know, I listened to rock growing up. I listened to pop. I listened to, well, not hip hop back then, but I listened to what we used to call urban or R&B. Um, I didn't listen a lot to country, which is why I don't have a whole lot of country material. But I mean, when you listen to this stuff, you're just influenced by it all. Um, rotten to the core.
Disney, Disney, it's kind of like, it's edgy, you know, you say I'm this, you say I'm that, you say I'm, you know, I sang that demo and it was just- Oh my goodness. I want to know what that sounds like (laughs) with your voice in there. Oh, I'll send you, um, I've got a couple of blogs on that song. Please. Your listeners, if they're interested in these kind of stories, they should definitely- Go to my website, ShellyPikin.com, S-H-E-L-L-Y-P-E-I-K-E-N, and go to Confessions, which is my blog, and subscribe, because I do a story every week. Not always about a song I wrote, but I'll forward you you the link to the one where I talk about writing that song. And in fact, I was away from my home where my recording equipment is on a college tour with my daughter when Stephen called me to about that track and I thought god I've got this great idea run to the corn bike how am I going to record this I have no reverb I have nothing and I was at a hotel and in order to get reverb I remember what we used to do before we had recording equipment when we used to record into just like a a reel-to-reel is we go to bathtub because the porcelain reflected the voice and it gave you some reverb so I recorded those vocals on that demo sitting in a bathtub I didn't have a microphone I sang it right into my computer into GarageBand and goes to show you that if the song is there, it will be heard. It's not for me. It's never been so much about the sonics as it is for does that song work? Does that song speak to you? Oh, my goodness. I love it. And, and quick question. There is when I was going through the publishers, because I have to go through the publishers to play snippets of music. And you clearly know what all that stuff is and everything. Yeah. There was a song that popped up, Forgiven, that was for Britney Spears. And she cut it. What was that? No, she didn't Al- cut it. She didn't cut it? She just named on that? No, she never sang it. <laughs> You're like, nope. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, I wrote, I actually wrote that song for a movie that my husband was scoring called The Dead Girl. And I thought it was perfect. It was about, I wanted it to be about this girl who had died sending a message back saying, please forgive me for leaving. And it didn't make it into the film. I can't remember the director, the whatever, didn't go for it. I mean, you win some, you lose some. I wrote that 100%, so. Are you following me on Instagram? Make sure you are. The dot original dot doll. You can find all sorts of social media information on theoriginaldoll.com. While you're there, join my Patreon community. Shout out to all my Patreon patrons. You all rock. Because of you, we can keep this show going. What is it that you think is important for the listeners now as listeners and consumers in the 21st century? Well, don't listen to music for free. That's for sure. You know, I mean, Spotify is kind of the devil, but you need to subscribe to Apple or Spotify. You need to subscribe. You can't be. I mean, most people do these days. Um, I think everybody needs to be aware. Songwriters are just 
I do a lot of advocacy with Sona, Songwriters of North America. Mm-hmm. And um, the music business is a billion dollar business, but it's the people who, it's the companies, the companies that are delivering product are making more than the people who create the product. And not just a little bit more, like, you know, 20 times as much. And the labels are making way more. And the songwriter, if they have to always have a second gig, which I never had to do because I came up when physical copies were the thing. And for every physical copy that sold, songwriters would earn a royalty. The song mm-hmm. sold, sold a million albums you made nine cents per copy if you wrote the whole song do the math that's a thousand dollars and now if a song streams a million times if the songwriter doesn't own the record the recording the master we're going to make 200 bucks so the middle class is gone the the top five percent of songwriters are making a living not so much from streaming because but from getting their song synced in film and TV, which is a 50-50 balance with the record labels, there's going to be a lot less songwriters, a lot less talented people. Um, And the ones in the business are, you know, they're following algorithms and trying to write songs that have been written already. So I'd say just people should keep that in mind. Um, always donate to a cause, subscribe to a service, and encourage original music. <laughs> Listen to indie, you know, because so much pop stuff, it just sounds like the last song. And you're just mm-hmm. encouraging people not to be original because algorithms are how the delivery services operate. What sounded like this song? What are people listening to? Mm-hmm. You know, I miss I miss the days of putting on like blurring the edges, jagged little pill, piece of you. I remember putting those CDs in and just letting it play. I miss the continuity, which is why I was excited when your album came out because it's like I just put it on and it went through and like Notebook and George and John. I was like I was so deeply engrossed in it, and I missed being able to hear that voice through the whole thing where the the playlist thing where you can have this and that and to your point of the algorithms. And I interviewed uh, one of the board members of the Ivers Academy over, over in the UK. And, you know, a lot of the listeners on the podcast, they said, wait, so if I do subscribe, we just found out that the royalty for Apple is higher than Spotify. So I'll get rid of Spotify and just use Apple. That but they were just like, mm-hmm. And so that that's those changes. And so some people are like, what about physical copies? What about the physical things? And my my goal has been to keep songwriters employed. And the the per diem thing, I never understood why a songwriter isn't, you know, there's there's not food, there's not caught, like here's gas money. Because in talking with some of the songwriters, it's they didn't even make enough money on the streaming to afford the babysitter that it took for that session. Absolutely. That's why I love being able to talk to songwriters and put faces, if you will, and to these songs so that people can go, oh, let me see what else Shelly has. Mm -hmm. Let me go deep dive into this. Just so that you know, there's a huge group of people that know who you are. And now hearing you 
is just going to bring back those great memories of the great music you've done. So thank you for that, for my creating the art. Pleasure. And thank you for spending time with me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. The, the last thing is um, you mentioned where the um, the listeners can you know check you out. You still have CDs that are available to purchase, correct? Or is it a limited run? Okay. And you could go on my website and I and like you know and order my book, a signed copy of my physical book, and a CD, which I'm happy to sign. And you could do that all through the website. Um, the book is also on Amazon if if somebody wants audio, but if they want to sign, they got to go through my website. I love your voice on just hearing you tell your story because I think it's it's such a personal thing. It is. I've got to hear others sing your words and now hearing you tell your story from everything from the Mary Kate Ashley Olsen, which twin was it on the plane with your daughter? Like <laughs> it's like I said, fan. Looking back now at the songs that you did with with Britney Spears, what was your what was your first thought when you heard like Out From Under was going to be on the album? Yeah. You know, it never changes from the first time I heard that, that Taylor Dane was going to record my first song. Love it. And over the course of 10, 20, 30 years, it's always a thrill. I always feel like a kid in a candy store. Brittany was extra because she was just such a household name and such a such a great get, you know. It's always a pinch me, you know, it was another pinch me moment. I think I got to work with her on that because my friend Wally recorded her vocal on the demo and then we sent it uh, to the producer to kind of put together like a composite. Um, so, I mean, I write about that in the book too. Going to the studio that day. Yep. <laughs> and then you, you flew to the... And I don't want to give a spoiler alert to anyone, but your your story, it was like the most Hollywood story. <laughs> Everything about it. I just I loved it. And and I was I was happy that you included so much of this and we got to learn so much from you. So Shelly, thank you again for joining us on the original doll podcast. We we as fans appreciate it and can't wait to hear what you do next. Pleasure. Stay safe. The original doll.